You sounded awake. That was good. That was good. You're here. You're ready to go. Well, welcome to Portico. It is great to have you with us this morning. And uh, what a great time of worship together. Aren't you glad we serve a risen Savior? Amen. Jesus is alive today. And it is so exciting to be a part of his family and to be a part of this family as we gather together this morning. We want to welcome those who are in our video cafe and uh, just let you know that we know you're there. And it's great to have you worshiping with us as well. We are one church, but many expressions. And uh, we had our chapel service earlier this morning. Milton is uh, going to be meeting very shortly. Actually, they're meeting right now with, along with us. And uh, so we just are excited to be able to, uh, to be here and to be together. We're in a series called The Journey. And uh, ordinary people on a quest of faith. And I love that byline because, you know, it, it, kind, of, it kind of helps us to be able to relate to some of these people that we have heard about all of our lives and who are bigger than life in Scripture. But we need to be reminded they're just ordinary people and they're on a journey just like we are, right? And so uh, we're going to just encourage you to take out uh, your Bibles today. If you don't have a Bible, then our ushers are ready to help you with that. If you would like to borrow one of our Bibles this morning, just stick your hand up nice and high and maybe wave it around a little bit. One of the ushers will come and help you with that. Thank you, ushers, for serving us in that way. We've been looking at a number of Old Testament characters together, learning from their journeys. People like Adam and Eve and Noah and Hagar and Sarah and Joseph. We're going to turn in our Bibles today, now that everyone has one, to uh, the book of Exodus. And while you're turning, you can also take out your sermon notes this morning and just kind of follow along with that outline. If you're using a smart device today, you can go to the YouVersion app and find us there under live events and uh, pick up today's outline in that way. And we're going to look at an Old Testament character this morning that often gets overlooked, that often gets overlooked. Because when we think about the Israelites and we think about the, you know, the story of, of the exodus from Egypt and their freedom from slavery, where do our minds automatically go when we think about that story? Who do we think about? Moses, right. We automatically think about Moses. The man with the rod who split the Red Sea, the man who led the people out of slavery. But there was another very important character in the story, and we're going to look at him today as we learn what it must have been like to be Moses' brother Aaron, living in the shadow of Moses, living in the shadow of Moses. And I want to just set the story up a bit for you this morning. Moses, who was the younger brother, incidentally, of Aaron, and the child who had been set afloat in the Nile to save his life, he was eventually found and raised by the Pharaoh's daughter in the luxury of the Egyptian palace. And he was out in the wilderness one day after fleeing Egypt because of an altercation with an Egyptian that had ended in the Egyptian's death. And to his surprise, he encountered this burning bush. Now, I don't have all the time today to sort of flesh out the burning bush story for you, but long story short, God is in the bush and he's talking directly to Moses. This was unprecedented. And so Moses is there, he's hearing from God, and God is challenging him. I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, you know, let my people go. But Moses was hesitant. He didn't feel confident in his abilities. And, and there's another whole message we can explore there one day. But, but Moses is, is, is reticent to sort of take the challenge. And he says to God, send someone else. And this is where we're going to come across the story today in Exodus chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. And so let me just read the story, this little part of the story for you. It says, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. 
Well, then the Lord got a little angry. It says the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And finally, it's like he's giving in, and he says, well, then, you know, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. And you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him as if you were God to him. Now, just for a second, put yourself in Aaron's position. Because if you understand human nature like I understand human nature, if you understand yourself like I understand myself, we we know that nobody likes to be second choice. And yet, here he was, Aaron, the one with the talent, the one with the ability to speak well, and he was being asked to play second to Moses. Not only that, but there is this language there. You know, it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Wow. I mean, just think about that. Moses is the younger brother, and God is saying that it will be as if Moses were God to Aaron, his older brother. Now, I don't know about some of you. I'm an older brother. That would be just a tiny bit hard to swallow. Maybe Maybe you can relate today. I wonder, you know, how many of you are sitting in this room this morning and you're in a job or a position where you feel like your gifts and your abilities are not being fully utilized. Or maybe in that job your gifts are being fully utilized, but mostly what it feels like is, is that you're just being used. Maybe it's not even that so much as the fact that you're working under someone and you're working behind the scenes, but you know, you know in your heart that you could step up and be a leader in your own right and you struggle with some of those kinds of thoughts today, wondering if maybe you're missing the boat and it feels like you're living in the shadows. Maybe you're an educated, talented, gifted individual, qualified. You've come maybe from another country and You've got all kinds of things to offer, but you've not been given an opportunity in your field, and you're working in a job that's way beneath your potential while you wait for that right opportunity, and it feels like you're living in the shadows. Or for you, this may not be job or career-related at all. Maybe you're a parent who stays at home with the kids, and you know the absolute high point of your day is when you can go two hours without having to clean up a mess or change a dirty diaper, right? And you know you've got a lot to offer. You have gifts and you have talents that could be utilized to do great things, but you're at home and you're raising your kids and you know, you understand that that's important, but some days you feel like you're living in the shadows. And all these kinds of thoughts raise a question for all of us today because when we feel minimized, when we feel underutilized or underrecognized, we can ask this question, where do I get my identity? How do I know who I am? If it's, if it's not somehow defined by a title or somehow defined by a certain kind of recognition. And so really this morning, I want to talk for a few minutes about leadership today. Because I believe that leadership is a principle that is applicable to every single person in this room. Sometimes, you know, we struggle with that idea. We even push back against it. We wonder if we really are leaders, if we have the capability, or even if we, if we want to lead, if we even have the desire to lead. But the truth is, The truth is that leadership is something we cannot get away from. 
And I hope that before we're done today, we will all understand a few things about leadership and about living in the shadows as we look at the life of Aaron together. And so the first principle I want you to just write down in your notes and to see from this story is this, that leadership is not defined by position. Leadership is not defined by position. You see, the default assumption in our society is that to be a leader, you must somehow have some kind of official leadership position. And even those who hold positions sometimes feel that they aren't actually leading unless they have the leadership position, right? Unless they are at the top somehow. But if we continue on in this story of Moses and Aaron, we can see very clearly that leadership is not defined by position. Although Moses is the one who has the mandate from God to free God's people from Egypt, Aaron plays a very significant role. And I'm sure, I'm sure there were many times that, that Aaron questioned this himself, that he felt like he was living in the shadow of Moses. Think about this for a moment. Aaron's the older brother. The birthright was his. And in his Jewish culture, what that meant was, you know, being the oldest child set him up for all of the perks and all of the privilege. His name meant something. It meant rich, fluent, or enlightened. And he had been aptly named because he was talented with the ability to speak well and was a leader in his own right. Now contrast that with Moses, alienated from his family as a baby, raised with his mother as his nurse in the palaces of Egypt, and with the Pharaoh's daughter as his mother. And he's raised in wealth and privilege away from his home and family and ends up killing an Egyptian and fleeing, you know, Egypt because of this manslaughter charge that's hanging over his head. He runs for his life into the wilderness. And yet God chooses Moses to lead. And Aaron only gets called up. You know, he only gets called upon to step up when, when it's, it's apparent that Moses needs some help, when he can't take the pressure of being the spokesperson for God. And so this story has many elements in it that could make it almost an Old Testament version of the prodigal son story, right? I mean, you think about this. Aaron could easily have acted like the spoiled older brother in the New Testament account and stomp his feet and refuse to step up. But he didn't. Aaron embraced living in the shadows. He accepted his assignment from God and did what he was called to do to be a support to his younger brother Moses because leadership is not about position. We see this in Samuel's selection of Israel's second king. If you remember the story, God says to Samuel, you need to go and anoint the person that I'm going to show you. I'll I'll tell you who it is. And uh, there were some issues with, with Saul, the first king. It became apparent that a transition was going to have to happen. And so um, Samuel calls Jesse and his family to come and sacrifice together with him to the Lord. And while they're there, you know, Samuel is looking at all these fine young men. And as he's looking at one of the candidates, God says something to Samuel that, that tells us something about what God thinks about leadership. He says to him in 1 Samuel 16 and 7, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that so true, though? We want to see the resume. We want to know what the qualifications are. We want to understand, you know, is this going to be, you know, a good fit? But, but we need to understand the heart. That's why chemistry is so important in leadership teams. 
God looks at the heart. In the New Testament, Paul echoes this kind of sentiment when he says in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You see, in God's economy, things aren't always as they seem. The obvious leader isn't necessarily the chosen leader. And the leader with position isn't the only one who leads because leadership is about so much more than that. Leadership is influence. It is influence, and every single one of us has the opportunity and the ability to influence others in all kinds of different aspects in our lives. Think about that. Leadership is actually, you know, fluid. That's kind of the the thought that we were thinking about the other day in sermon prep. It's fluid in the sense that we tend to move in and out of varying and different leadership roles in life. And in each of those, we have the opportunity to influence others, to influence other people. We're employees or we're managers or we're business owners, and we can influence people in those roles. But then we get home, and we're, and we're parents who influence our children, or we're involved in our church, and we have influence there, or we're involved in the greater community, and we have influence in those environments. The opportunities are endless, and the positions are irrelevant. Granted, you know, I, I understand some positions tend to offer greater influence than others in some ways, but regardless, we can never minimize the roles that we play because we don't have a position or even because we don't have experience. To you younger people in the room, I challenge you, just because you don't have experience, you know, you, you need to understand that you can still have influence. First Timothy 4.12, Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but you set an example, you lead You set the example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity because we can all have influence no matter where we find ourselves in the grander scheme of things. Aaron lived in the shadow of Moses, the leader who God had called. And yet Aaron was the one who did the speaking. And if you read the story in Exodus 4 and throughout the following chapters, Aaron doesn't just speak uh, for Moses, but God also enables him to do miraculous signs. You know, he throws down his his rod, and it becomes a snake. And then when the other Egyptian magicians do the same thing, then Moses's, or Aaron's snake eats up all the other snakes. You know, God uses him in miraculous ways. He lifts his rod over the, the waters of the Nile, and all of the water in Egypt turns to blood. You see, because leadership is not defined by position. There's another story in Exodus 17 as, as the, the Israelites had made their way out into the wilderness, and they were there fending for themselves. Uh, they came across you know, another warring nation, the Amalekites. And Aaron plays a significant role in the the battle against the Amalekites, even though it was a secondary one. The the story is in Exodus 17, and this is not in your notes, but but, uh, let me just read some of the story for you. It says that, that Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But when Moses' hands grew tired... And when he put his, lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And so when that would happen, they brought a stone and they put it under him. And Moses sat down on the stone. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other. And, and as Moses' hands remained up, it says that so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You see, no matter what kind of position we hold all of us can hold up the hands of another. And in so doing, we lead. In those instances, we lead, we lead up 
we lead up. We set an example and we lead, we lead up to the, to, to the ones that we support and whose hands we hold. And so, you know, instead of shrinking into the shadows, Aaron and her both stepped up and took a significant place in Israel's history. And, and who is her, by the way? You know, we, we hardly ever hear of him all that much in Scripture, but here he's playing a, a significant role in the shadows. They did what had to be done. They held up the arms and the hands of Moses, their leader. And on that day, without them, without them, the battle would have been totally lost. So leadership is not defined by position, but we must also take, we must also take great care when we lead from the shadows in these secondary roles that I'm talking about, like Aaron did. Because there is a danger here as well that we all need to watch out for because leadership, secondly, is susceptible to disloyalty. Leadership is, is susceptible to disloyalty. For a while, you know, Aaron accepted and handled his position of second to Moses fairly well, and things were going along just fine. But then, but then an opportunity presented itself. And any leader, regardless of position, needs to be extremely careful because it doesn't take much of an opportunity to potentially trigger the slide toward disloyalty. If you don't remember the story, let me just kind of remind you a little. Moses had gone up to the top of Mount Sinai to, to you know, uh, receive the law, the Ten Commandments, and all of the other guidelines or boundaries that God was giving to the people. And, and he was gone a long time. And I know why he was gone a long time. Because some of us a few years ago traveled, journeying on a camel's back, for hours up the side of Mount Sinai till we, till we couldn't go any further on the camels. And then we got off of the camels and we walked for hours up the rest of the way so that we could you know, get to the top and see the, the sunrise. And it's beautiful when you get up there, but here's what I need to tell you. By the time you get there, you want to stay there for a long time. <laughs> it was an arduous journey. And some of you who are with us understand what I'm talking about. And so, you know, Moses goes and he's up and he's receiving the law and he's getting, you know, this download from God, all of the laws and all of the guidelines for the people of Israel. And he's gone a long time. And in the absence of leadership, when there is a leader who is absent, there can be a vacuum. And in that vacuum, one of two things is going to happen. The person left in charge will either step up and lead faithfully and lead strong until the leader returns and keep things on track and according to mission, uh, or they will seize the opportunity to placate the people and to give them what they want, and in so doing, they become disloyal. And this is exactly what happened with Aaron. In Exodus 32, Moses has gone all this time, and now the people come to Aaron. Wow, what, what must that have felt like? Right? Aaron was always behind Moses. He was always the one a few steps away, the one out on the fringes. The people never came to Aaron, but on this day, on this day they came and they said, you know, Moses is, we don't know what's going on with him. So come and make us gods who will go before us. We don't know what's happened to Moses. You be our leader now. This is music to Aaron's ears. Finally, they were recognizing his leadership ability. They, they wanted him to make them gods. It made him feel good to be sought out and to be wanted. And so he gave in to that temptation and he seized the opportunity to build them this golden calf. And, you know, it's interesting. He's breaking one of the commandments that they were, they were just about to receive. You'll have no other gods before me. And yet it wasn't news to Aaron. 
He knew the drill. And yet, you know, he, he gives in and he seizes this opportunity. Listen to me today. Listen to me. In Opportunism. Opportunism is incongruent with godly leadership. Leading in God's economy is marked by serving others and by loyalty and not by the promotion of self. Jesus would model this for us in the New Testament and he would teach his disciples these very same principles. But you know what? We're so susceptible. We see it in all kinds of areas. In the church, there can be, you know, struggles sometimes to make decisions together as a team about ministry direction and about mission and about methods. And, you know, we, we have discussions and sometimes we disagree and, and uh, you know, there's, there's lots of banter back and forth. But when we leave that, that room and we come out and we speak to all the rest of you, we need to have solidarity. We need to be together on what's been decided because that's what leadership is about. And we don't take opportunities to, you know, to, to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, that word. We don't take opportunities to, to sort of get our own opinions out there and sort of, uh, you know, uh, break the system. Anybody here approaching 50 and feel like I do? <laughs> There's a word, and it's not in my notes, and I know what it is, but I can't think of it. Anyway, let's carry on. We're so susceptible, and it's no different. It's no different at your work when you work as a team, and not everyone agrees, or in your home. When you hash out issues as parents together in private and then you want to show a united front to your kids. But then the hallway conversations happen. And others try and draw you into discussions that go against what the team has decided. And, you know, or, or one of your kids, they, they sort of, you know, cut you off from the herd because you're the weaker one. And they, and they get you aside and tell you they like you better. And... They think you're a better parent and you get flattered and, you know, and the temptation to soften your stance or to disregard this decided upon action and let your own, personal, your own personal opinion be known presents itself. And this is real. This is real. And when we already feel like maybe we're, we're living in the shadows, like no one takes us seriously or like the leader or the manager or the more dominant parent gets all the attention and all the credit then it can be very enticing for us to give in to the temptation to be disloyal. All kinds of triggers can lead us there. For Aaron, it was opportunity. It was right there in front of him. The people wanted him to lead, to make them gods. It felt good for him to be wanted and to be needed. And so opportunity, flattery, dissatisfaction with the leadership direction, all of these can be triggers that can vault us into actions that are disloyal. Remember the story when David, you know, the one who Samuel eventually anointed in that story that we talked about earlier. David had been anointed king of Israel, but he was not yet the king. Saul was still the king. And he was being hunted by Saul because, you know, Saul felt, Saul felt intimidated and he felt, he felt like, uh, you know, that David was going to try and usurp authority. And so there was this, this battle going on. And he was being hunted. Saul was still king. There's a story in 1 Samuel where David and his men, they come upon Saul's camp and and Saul is there, he's lying asleep on the ground, and they're standing right beside him. Standing right beside him. And there is this opportunity that has presented itself. And so, you know, Abishai, who is David's aide, who is with him, he actually is urging David, just finish him off, just put the spear through his, through his head and let's be done with it while he sleeps. But David resisted the temptation to be disloyal. 
First Samuel 26 and verse 9, David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? So there's a story with a, with a proper ending. And yet the opportunity was there. And David could have gone either way. In his situation, he remained loyal. Now think about Judas. Think about Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples in the New Testament. He's on, leaders, uh, on Jesus' leadership team. And he's the one who took care of the money. But he was living you know, in the shadows. And there came a point where Judas became susceptible to disloyalty. And it's probably not what you think. You see, it's a story earlier where they're gathered together at the home of of Lazarus and Mary and Martha are there and Mary takes a jar of expensive perfume and she breaks it and she she pours it over Jesus' feet and, and, you know, she anoints his feet and she washes his feet and dries it with her hair. And Judas, this, he, he can't take it. And it's not because he's disgusted. It's not because he thinks it's improper or anything like that. It becomes about the money for Judas. And we find out in other accounts, you know, that Judas was skimming. So, so he's thinking, this money could have been sold and given to the poor, but at the same time he's thinking, and I could have got my cut, right? But here's the significant thing about this story. For Judas, you know, in, in uh, John 12, 4 and 5, it says, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages, and we know what he was thinking, but you see, for Judas, his susceptibility to disloyalty was triggered by his dissatisfaction with this one incident. Why did Jesus allow this to happen? And this was the moment when Judas began a journey down a slippery slope of disloyalty that would eventually lead him to betray the Master into the hands of those who wanted to kill him. And so we need to be careful because all of us, I don't care who you are, we're all susceptible to being disloyal. You go back to Aaron's story. You know, in spite of his failure with the golden calf, Moses interceded with God on Aaron's behalf. And Aaron continued to serve under Moses' leadership. And for the most part, Aaron got it right after that. He, he sort of put his head down and did what he was called to do. Which leads me to this last thought, and that is this. That God honors faithful leadership. God honors faithful leadership. You see, just because Aaron was serving Moses and living in his shadow didn't mean that his part to play didn't matter. Didn't mean that the part that he had to play was insignificant. Not at all. Remember, leadership is not defined by position. God had that important role for Aaron to play from the moment he and Moses went before Pharaoh the first time all the way up to the time that they entered the Promised Land. There was a place for Aaron in God's grand plan. And there's a place for you today. It's, it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, Moses, when he was unable to lead the people into the promised land because of, you know, some leadership deficiencies of his own, it's Joshua and not Aaron who was chosen to carry on and lead the people in. Isn't that something? Aaron, who's the one who's been serving in the shadows all of that time, and when the time comes for a successor to Moses, you know, to be, to, to be uh, put into place... It's not Aaron, it's Joshua. And here's one more opportunity for Aaron to get his nose out of joint and for Aaron to say, you know what, this isn't fair. It should have been me. You know, all of the stuff that we are so prone to. And yet Aaron doesn't. He was faithful in his leadership to fulfill the role that God had given specifically to him. And God saw Aaron serving in the shadows. And God sees you too. 
When it came time to build the tabernacle and to carry out the instructions for worship in the wilderness, it was Aaron and his family who were ordained as the priests who would represent the people before God and who would offer the sacrifices on their behalf. It was a significant role. And because Aaron was faithful to lead in the shadow of Moses, God honored his faithfulness by entrusting him with this major responsibility of handling the worship, the worship element of God's people in that context. So we all have a part to play. We know, we know that in Christ's body, we are all called to play a part. Scripture teaches us that no part is insignificant, that, you know, there is, there is nothing that we do that is not needed. All of the parts of the body are needed, and they work together to make up the whole, and one needs the other. And so no matter where we find ourselves, if you're in the limelight or you're in the shadows, God has called us to be faithful. First Peter 4 and verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. But I get it. I understand. The limelight is much more appealing. Being the one that people look to, that people go to, it seems like it could be very fulfilling. And when people come to you and they seek out your opinion and they want to pull you into those, you know, those hallway or water cooler conversations, the temptation to self-promote can be very strong. I remember one time when I was very new, very young in ministry. And um, it was actually just the second church that I served in. And a very short time after I had gone there to be the assistant pastor and do youth and all that stuff, the senior pastor resigned kind of suddenly and, and moved off to another location. And so the, the board went through a process and they, you know, they brought in another pastor and um, there was a little bit of, a little bit of uh, controversy over their selection. This guy had never pastored before, and, and he hadn't gone to Bible college and some of those kind of things. And, but they, they, they brought him, the board presented him, they voted on him, he was their pastor. And so I continued to serve in that role. And uh, I remember the day very clearly, about four months in, when two board members came to me and uh, said to me, you know, we think maybe that we made a mistake. And I was shocked. I mean, I was, I was young, and I thought, why are you telling me this, <laughs> you know? And uh, they said, we've been watching you, and, and you know, you, you handle yourself really well, and, and we probably should have been, you know, been looking at you as, as our pastor. And I, I thank God this morning for His grace and for the direction of His Holy Spirit, because in that moment, in that moment, it could have been very easy to entertain that conversation and to, you know, move toward this, this path of disloyalty that we've been talking about. But I, re I remember saying to them, you know something? Um, you guys, you went through a process. You brought this man before the people. You voted together. You called him as your pastor. And so you need to get behind him and you need to support him and you need to, you know, you need to move this forward because... Because that's the way this process works. And I'm not interested in whatever it is that you're talking about in this moment. And I think they were a little bit taken back. I don't think they expected somebody my age to sort of push back in that way. I don't think they were anticipating that kind of response. But I'm so grateful to God that, that that's, what hurt, that's what occurred. Because I can tell you that from that moment until this, 
That was over 25 years ago. And from that moment until this, I have never, you know, in a moment where I felt like maybe it was time to move on or transition was needed or, or whatever, I've never, had to, I've never had to apply for a job. I've always gotten a call to go to the next position. Somebody has always reached out to me and said, we have somewhere where we think you can serve in, in a meaningful way in our context. And I believe that's because God honors faithful leadership. I believe it's because he honors when we aren't disloyal and and when we step up and do what we're called to do. And so I want to suggest to you today that in the long run, in the long run, the very most important thing that you can accomplish in your life is not a position or a salary level or an address in a certain desirable geographic location. No, the most important thing that you can accomplish in your life is becoming that kind of person that God has called you specifically to be and to fulfill the role that he has for you, even if that means living and serving in the shadows. And so whether you're a 30 or 40-year-old business person who's frustrated by the position that you hold or, or the lack of position that you have, or you're a stay-at-home parent who is feeling completely alone and insignificant and like nobody outside your house knows you even exist or have something to offer, You need to to get the focus off of, you know, what do I get? How can I be recognized? What's my position? You need to get the focus off of that and onto who have I become? What kind of person am I becoming? Because it's not really about recognition or position. It's about being true to what God has called you to do and what God has called me to be and being faithful to become the very best person that you can in that circumstance because God honors faithful leadership. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, and He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and who keep His commandments. God is the faithful God, and He keeps His covenant to those who are faithful to Him, who keep who love Him and who keep His commandments. When my journey is done, when your journey is done, it won't matter what kind of position you held. It won't matter the kind of salary you collected. None of that stuff will matter. The only thing that will matter to you and to me when we stand before God is if we can hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful. Good and faithful servant. Will you pray with me today? Father God, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for, Lord, the way that it always challenges our hearts. And God, we, we just think today that You are working. You are speaking to our, to our hearts today and working in our lives this morning. And so I pray, I pray for everyone in this room who is listening to my voice today, or for those in the video cafe, that God, as we think about, Lord, the roles that we play in life, in work, in home, in church. And God, we think about some of the frustrations that we face and, Lord, the, the way that we can sometimes feel minimized and sometimes feel underappreciated and underutilized. I pray this morning that, God, you will help us to make a, a fresh commitment today to be faithful where you've called us to serve and, God, to lead, to influence others, Lord, no matter what our position, because, Lord, we believe that's what you're calling us to do. Lord, keep us from the temptation of being disloyal. Help us not to fall into that trap. And I pray, I pray that as we do what you call us to do, that God, you will continue to honor 
faithful leadership as you promised us in your word that you will do. And Lord, for anyone who's here today and they've not made you the, the Lord, the leader of their lives, I pray that even in this moment, Holy Spirit, you will speak to their hearts and let them know that you desire, you desire to have a relationship with them where, where you step up and take leadership in their lives and where they submit to your leadership. And, and Father, I pray that you just help them to, to just let go of the things that are holding them back, to ask you to forgive them of the wrong things they've done, and Lord, to say yes to Jesus today. Father, we believe that, that many can do that even in this moment. Thank you for your presence here in this room, your spirit which speaks to our hearts. And Lord, as we, as we come to uh, the last parts of our service today, we want to just say we are so grateful for your presence here and we thank you that, God, you do speak to us. Help us, Lord, now to act on what it is that we have heard. We pray it in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, as we just continue with our worship, we ask that you would bless all that we do together in Christ's name today. Amen and amen.